This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today, I'm so excited because we have a, it's sort of a real estate roundtable today with... I would title this one, The Slowdown. The Slowdown. Oh, maybe. Well, we'll see what happens. No. We haven't titled it yet. <laughs> right. But it is, it's kind of like, hey, what's going to happen in the over the course of the rest of the year? Different opinions. And um, and we brought in some stuff. great guys yeah. today. So this is, uh, we've got Steve Suretsky. He is the author of the Suretsky Report. He is a podcast host, co-host. The Looney Hour. The Looney Hour podcast. podcast. Really, really great. Kind of filling a, a void on uh, macroeconomics. I, for the country. It's funny when somebody does something and you go, wow, I didn't realize that gaping hole that these guys are filling. Yeah. And that's, that's the loony hour to me. It's, it's great. And uh, of course he's a, he's a friend of ours, friend of the show. And then Michael Yu is the co-founder partner at Oakland Realty, who again has been on the show before. And, I'm really uh, and, excited and, to and has the Oakland podcast as well, yeah. which is, uh, which is great stuff, especially for, for real estate agents. But I think there's a lot of kind of Small business, I think, takeaways from that podcast that you could apply in any business uh, situation. So, so it's great to have both these guys right. on the show. And the funny thing was, and I'll just say, interestingly enough, thinking back to this conversation, the nice part about having Steve and Michael is I feel like both these guys are knee deep in Vancouver real estate, right? Years and years of experience in the trenches, and yet both have kind of macro level perspectives and they're Super different bright guys, different yeah. perspectives on, yep. on the market, which is really interesting. So it was great having them down. And, and the funny thing was we had them down the Kokomo studios. Steve didn't even know we were, Steve didn't know, even know we had a podcast. Those, those are the best podcasts. <laughs> when you put someone in the seat and you say, we're recording a podcast and they think we're just going for a beer. <laughs> he, he thought, <laughs> which he, is what happened. He literally thought on Friday afternoon, he's like, all right, where are we meeting? Oh, well, we're going to walk somewhere from your office. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. we don't do the meeting <laughs> no. to plan for another meeting. There, we there, do the, we do the podcast. Exactly. There's, <laughs> we have to have a big takeaway. And uh, so it was good. And man, if that's him on the spot, uh, imagine if he was prepared. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, super bright guys, both highly analytical. And today's episode, we kind of cover everything. We cover how the market is right this second in this moment, what's kind of been shaping the market and what will continue to shape the market. Will prices go up? When are the opportunities going to happen? And, uh, you know, where are the opportunities? Of hey, course. Yeah. So most resilient markets, uh, areas that are going to get crushed. It's all there this week. This is a fantastic conversation. But before we get to that conversation, Matt, one thing we should mention, and we've mentioned it before, but the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast, if you haven't been checking that out, definitely go and check it out. We've had so many people reach out who are Pivoting from residential to commercial real estate it investing. Se it seems like, uh, I don't know if there's a general, if it's just where our kind of position in relation to the commercial podcast or if 
there's something in the zeitgeist right now. It feels like a lot of people are getting more and more interested in commercial real estate. Absolutely. And I mean, the other thing that we should talk about is, uh, you know, when you think about your real estate investing journey, someone said this to me the other day, it seems like a natural progression to go from residential to commercial. Right. Which is not the case for everybody. And I mean, part of diversifying your portfolio is, I think, being in a variety of different asset classes. But that's one thing that's come out of doing this show is it's exciting watching people that were residential real estate investors moving into the commercial space and just hearing about their experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's been a real pleasure being pleasure. involved in the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. That's Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So Matt, without further ado, we, we run a little bit long today, but it is worth it. It is a fantastic show with a ton of takeaways. Michael Yu and Steve Soretsky. Enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at marcon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at marcon.ca or follow them at Instagram at marconhomes. Marcon, building for life. Okay, so we're here with Michael Yu, partner at Oakland Realty, and Steve Soretsky. He's the author of the Soretsky Report. Did I get that right? right? He's a housing analyst? Housing <laughs> analyst oh, and, wow. uh, and, and co-host of the Looney Hour podcast. He also sells real estate. And co- coffee connoisseur, washed up hockey <laughs> right? player. Well, broken down hockey yeah. player. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time today, guys, and thanks for coming down to the studio. Michael, you've been on the program before, but can you remind listeners, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I'm one of the partners at Oakman Realty in Vancouver. I've been in real estate for 16 plus years. And uh, yeah, and it's been fun. Actually, after the last podcast, a few people texted me. I felt like a celebrity, so... Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I should say, I haven't seen you in a while. And yeah. You, you're a bit of a Henry Golding these days. Your face, you, you look like you've been... Have you been... Not uh, even sure You've that been is. fasting. Oh, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I started doing that uh, intermittent fasting thing. I've It's all the rage now. So I'm starving myself. So this, Fantastic. this beer will you be good. You look great. That's your first meal of the day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a barley meal. That's right. Yeah. And Steve, tell us a little bit about yourself. And specifically, uh, just before anything else, I know you played hockey, but let's... Can we get a little bit of details? <laughs> Matt's specifically <laughs> interested <laughs> Not, in your hockey. Yeah. <laughs> Not well. Uh, no, I played... Um, 
like junior hockey as a, as a kid, I guess, junior B, so Richmond Sockeyes, and then ended up going to the BCHL. And then in my 20-year-old, I'm most popularly known for being the suitcase of the league, aka I played for five teams that year. So pretty wow. much traveled all around Canada, just uh, nobody wanted me. So that's what how position? I and, then, and then I ended up at Oakland. Uh, nobody wanted me. Yeah. Like, but what the realty of broken dolls. <laughs> so that that was in the BCHL. Yeah, yeah, BCHL, Cowichan Valley, Alberni Valley, and then I mean I won't continue. I won't make the list much longer. Than that. Were you what you were a forward? Forward, yeah, yeah. And was Goal that scorer? how rough? How uh, rough of a league? Sorry, we'll, we'll yeah. We got many questions about this. Was it rough? <laughs> Not really. I don't think it's that rough because you're a bit younger than us. I feel like junior B used to be like crazy. I think hockey's just getting like softer in general. Like every year, like there's less fighting. And so I feel like when I was in it, it was, yeah, I mean, there was definitely like, we were the toughest team, but it wasn't me fighting. That's for sure. When Matt played, he was a goalie and he didn't wear a helmet. That was uh, that That explains a lot. (laughs) Uh, Maybe to continue. Sorry, we we I cut you off at at your twenty two year old self. Since then, you ended up at Oakland a little bit more uh, about yourself, Steve. Uh, Yeah, bounce around brokerages as well. So uh, Mike finally, I don't know what Mike was thinking, but brought me on to Oakland. So yeah, here this is year eight in real estate. So I guess half of Mike's wisdom. And uh, yeah, as smart as me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just having fun with it on the uh, content production side, similar to what you guys are doing. And right. um, yeah, just loving real estate. There's always things to talk about, and that's why we're here, I guess. Perfect. Okay, so you know we wanted to have both of you on for a long time, but I think now is like a really opportune moment because there's a shift going on in the market. Right. Maybe I'll leave it open. How, how's the market? Well, yeah, it has it has slowed down. I think we've been last two and a half years or so. We've just been on this like rocket ship, and it just felt like there was no end in sight. And I think like um, it's starting to, I guess, um, you know, the uh, the lights in the bedroom are turning on. <laughs> and, uh, obviously, with the um, uh, with the interest rates rising, and you know, things are starting to slow down and. So it's um, yeah, it's 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 an exciting time. It's a transitionary time. People aren't really sure exactly what's going to happen. I think we all probably have our crystal ball predictions, but uh, yeah. See, what do you think? I mean, I'll, I'll preface this. I think it's as much as I might be pessimistic. I think it's a time of opportunity coming up as well. Mm-hmm. That I think that we're going through a clear transition. I think, like as Mike said, it's been a two-year back-to-back years of record home sales. Nothing goes up in a straight line, and I think that policymakers are pretty clear in telling us what they are intending to do with financial markets. And so, yeah, interest rates up. I think activity is slowing. I mean, I can speak for my own personal business. Like, it's slowing. I've got a lot, all of a sudden a lot more time to, to come here and have a beer and do a podcast. So, <laughs> you know, if you guys asked me to do this six, eight months ago, I wouldn't have the time. Everyone was running off their feet. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's changing. And I think it's going to be an interesting change. Yeah, Matt and I still have the time. Yeah. <laughs> and and it speaks to Michael's business that you had the time, but right. you're you're very good at systems. That's yeah. what I found out about <laughs> Maybe it's a an element of laziness, but but I yeah, I'm really big on building programs and systems and you know, trying to uh, kind of create an ecosystem around yourself to be able to uh to build a business. But uh, you know, I think uh when we talk about the market specifically and what's gonna kind of happen, I think it's so interesting right now. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of lessons from history. 
you know, with rising interest rates and kind of how the market reacts. And so like a lot of people that I've talked to that um, had experience in the, you know, in the nineties with rising interest rates and even the eighties in interest rates, they're telling us of what could potentially happen. What do you guys think about that? Oh yeah. I mean, I think like, I think the biggest thing is just, just rates and the cost of money, right? Like every time I mean, you guys probably get all the time too, like the media calls, they reach out, everybody wants to know foreign buyer tax, empty homes tax, new housing supply. And I just think like, really, I think at the end of the day, the only thing, well, not the only thing, but the thing that really moves the market is like the cost of money. Like if you drop mortgage rates to one and a half percent, like, yeah, prices ripped to all time highs. And now they're going up to four. Like it's not surprising to see prices are starting to come off. Like, mm-hmm. So, so along those lines, where are you guys seeing, I know we all primarily, well, actually, Steve, I think you're kind of more broader in terms of your scope of where you operate. I think we work primarily in Vancouver. Like, are you guys seeing, is it across the board slowing or where are you seeing, where are you seeing the market kind of dropping off precipitously as compared to other areas? Um, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of seeing it genuinely across the board. There's some kind of really high demand type of properties. Um, like, you know, just anecdotally, like, you know, there's some like East Van Detached, for example, still feels like it's pretty hot, but like there's still some, you know, there, I think across the board that there, there has been a shift in, in, a, in, in activity. Certainly I haven't really seen an enormous price shift. You know, I'm kind of surprised that prices haven't changed as as much as they were. But yeah, so uh, I have seen that activity really, yeah. I I was actually, we were talking, I'd love to get your guys' opinion about this, but we were talking yesterday, uh, it actually came off a conversation with a client who was saying, okay, well, now's the time to go out shopping, right? And Steve just mentioned, you know, there's going to be some opportunities coming, but it is very weird how there's a lag period for price discovery, right? right? That often takes place in markets like this. And there's often a, a standoff between buyers and sellers. And then eventually someone has to sell and it kind of resets a building or it, it resets an immediate area. I'd love to hear your guys' take on when you think opportunities will start presenting themselves. I tend to think like six to 12 months is kind of like what I'm thinking personally. I think it takes, like you said, it takes time, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, we're not, going and think, I don't think we're setting up like the U S and, you know, people like to say, Oh, the U S housing crisis is this 2.0. Right. I mean, but you know, U S houses peaked in 2006 and they bottomed in 2012, like it was six, six years down. I think, you know, I look back here the last correction we had in Vancouver is what 2017, 18 ish. Mm-hmm. It took a while for prices. Like, you know, you saw some of the detached market peak in 2016, like Richmond, West Vancouver, West side, Vancouver, and then, like, like the best deals were probably in, like, 2018. So it was, like, two years later that I felt, like, the, the best pricing. But, again, it's mm-hmm. always hard to predict, right? I mean, eight months from now, we could be talking about lowering interest rates that are, once again, beginning sure. to fall. And maybe you already missed the opportunity. So it's always hard to say. But I think, like, similar to what Mike just talked about or, or you just talked about is that it takes time. Nobody, no seller just says, I'm going to cut my price $100,000 <laughs> Because it didn't move in the first five days. Right. Like it takes time. People, no, no one's just going to fire sale the house. This is not a tech stock. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, there's it was a media article that was posted and the headline was like Toronto area home prices dropped 22% in like a month. And I was like, well, this is just wrong. Like if you guys look at what they're portraying is they're saying, oh, the average sales price, you know, in March 
was whatever one eight and, right. and today it's one five and you're like it's an average sales price no housing doesn't move 20 percent in a month again this isn't no. a tech stock like this is a for the most part can be an illiquid asset in a down market there's emotions involved it's a long sales cycle uh so it's just trying to emphasize that to people like people that are expecting like oh i'm you know, I'm going to wait this year and I'm going to buy a house in December of 2022 and I'm going to get 30% off. Like, it's not how it works. Like, right. you might get 5%, 7%, 8% and, you know, yeah. it's, just, it's slow moving. It's very quick on the way up. Yeah. And I think housing tends to be very sticky on the way down. So, so I want to go back to interest rates because it seems like at least on one side of the table here, Steve and Michael's side, interest rates is kind of the live and die by interest rates, right? So do we have predictions? How high do they go? What does that mean for carrying costs for people in variable mortgages specifically? Are there fire sales? Does it get really kind of tricky in Vancouver? And, you know, you're saying what, eight to 12 months, potentially 18 months for this to kind of play out. Where do interest is it interest rates that that come back down uh, in order to for this market to kind of rebound? I think in the grand perspective of things, like you know, the interest rate is still fairly low. the The prime rate is still fairly low when we look at the last thirty years or fifty years, and uh, you know, and I don't foresee like a incredible spike in those interest rate in in the prime rates going from like. You know, they just raised it half a percentage point and people are starting to get nervous and, and freaking out. But I'm not seeing like the foreclosures or like anything, uh, you know, in the in the near future per se. But um, yeah, I, I still think interest rates are going to remain relatively low if we look at a 30-year average or 50-year average. And I can't foresee um, the Bank of Canada to raise them like, you know, to 6 or 7 or 8% because that would just like just have a tremendously negative effect on the economy. So I think that there's, there is a healthy balance. And I think we were probably ready for a little bit of a, a change because, you know, the last year and a half, I think I sympathize with a lot of people that couldn't get into the market and, you know, and I think that there's programs and opportunities for them to be able to do so. So I, I think you got to embrace those changes and, and uh, look at every market as a good, op- as a market that has opportunity. So like just for, even for my own portfolio. I, I look to like at opportunities in every market. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I was just going to say that I think there's like pros and cons. So I think for the people that are listening being like, oh my God, how much are rates going to go up? Did I take on too much debt? I think like the one silver lining is that this isn't like the 1980s, the amount of like private debt that Canada has accumulated since the 1980s suggests that it's not going to actually take that much increase of interest rates to actually trigger unfortunately, a lot of pain, right? Right. We're not going to 18%. Yeah, you can't go to 18% when you have like, you know, household debt to GDP at like 170%. Right. Like, you know, anyways, Canada has one of the worst debt metrics and and so does the world, right? It's not just like Canadian households, it's like sovereign governments. Right. So there's not really an actually a real ability to actually like normalize and raise interest rates like everyone talks about in the 1980s. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, I guess, the positive. Now the thing is, I think they'll try to raise interest rates as much as they have, and that will inflict some pain. That's why we talked about opportunities in the market. So I'll probably be the first to say I was initially wrong. So I'm, I'm not really always the best at predicting markets. <laughs> right. I was wrong. I didn't think mortgage rates would get to 4.2 was yeah. what they're at today for fixed rate, 4.3, whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, but it seems like they could easily get to 5% this year. 
Um, but I think that ultimately, I don't think that the I don't think the market can actually withstand five percent rates. I think we're seeing activity slow down. Mm-hmm. I always go back and say, well, what, what happened last time rates were this high? It was two thousand eighteen. That was the down market, the opportunity market, where mortgage rates got to like three six, three seven. Everybody thought they were going to four. Let's just wait. Mm-hmm. And housing activity in Greater Vancouver fell to an eighteen year low. So I don't know. I'm like I said. I think we're looking at the people that are still buying today. A lot of them are still on like these rate holds that were. Right. Oh, I've I've got my rate held here at three percent. Like I better buy today because if I wait six more weeks, that that expires and now at four percent. Mm-hmm. So, so you think that there's a there's that tailwind that's kind of keeping the market going right yeah, now? Yeah, and that's why we talked about like opportunities short term, like six to right. twelve months. Because like if you think about the people that are actually still transacting in the market today, most of them are still on like pre-existing rate holds and mm. not necessarily it's a good point falling under. So most of those rate holds seems like they'll expire. In what do you June. guys think of the relationship between like the interest rates and the inflation rate? Because like if you think about the like if if inflation rates at like this is just like my if. The value of the dollar, and this is probably what Steve talks about all the time, but if the value of the dollar, I think I saw that the um, inflation rate was like six point something percent uh, year on year or something like that. And, you know, if you're borrowing at 4%, like you're kind of making making money. Yeah, you're making 2% on your debt. So I came in here yesterday in tears, worried about my variable rate at two and a half. And, right, <laughs> and somebody made that point to me. Yeah, God, snap out of it! Like, yeah. slap me in the face. And <laughs> right, woke me up. But yeah, that's a that's a great point. Yeah, so I still feel like you know the that that's something to take into account the relationship between inflation and you know your debt servicing and kind of like looking at that as um as a marker as well. What do you think about that, Steve? I mean that that was like my whole thing. Like it was like, how would you not be bullish on real estate during like especially over the last let's say eighteen months? It was like. Mortgage rates, you could fix them at one point at like 1.5%. And it was sure. like, inflation was like, at the time, was only like four. But you're like, well, that's still a pretty good deal. Everybody knew it was higher than four, too. It's kind of like BS metrics. Right. But like, you can fix your debt for one and a half percent. Like, it was insane. Yeah. Was like the opportunity. Yeah. And that's why like prices, obviously, in some markets basically doubled in three years. Right. It's like the easiest trade of, of our lives. And, yeah. you know, you had our own like Bank of Canada governor coming out and telling everybody at the onset of the pandemic, we're going to keep rates at zero mm-hmm. until like the end of 2023. He basically gave everybody like a green light. Green, like, yeah. Back yeah, on the truck. Let her rip. And then he comes out just like kidding. six months later, he's like, oh, don't worry about housing. It's just transitory. It's a little bit of pent up demand. You're yeah. like, uh, yeah. So I don't know. And, and like I said, now the conversation is shifting, which is like, Hey, we're going to create the their words, not mine. It's like reverse wealth effect, which is like we're going to try to like drop asset prices and tr- to try to curtail inflation because they're mm-hmm. like, well, if we can't fix supply chains, so let's try to like put a knife into people's sort of wealth that has been created over the past couple of years and right. see if that because you can imagine like if you've got you know a house that was worth a million and then it increased in value to like one point five, you're like. I've got $500,000 of new equity that right. I can like, you can tap like at any moment. If yeah. you want to buy- and, and even if you don't tap psychologically, it does. Yeah. You're right. tapping it, right? It's uh, you're wealthier than you think. So I think that's what they're worried about. Start treating so. your friends a bit worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think they're like, they're like, this could get out of control. Right. So like, Imagine if like all these people just like knew wealth that just started to like tap into it and go on vacations and boats and all this stuff. So right. like we better like change them psychologically. And so I think like that's pretty much what they've told you they're gonna do 
during this rate hiking cycle. Now, again, whether how far they get is 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 anyone's guess. I don't think they're going to get as far as everybody anticipates. But so, and just thinking about this, how far? So, with that stated goal. What do we see in the Vancouver market? And then maybe, I know you follow the Canadian market, but what, what are we seeing in terms of depreciation here? Because one thing that strikes me is we, we talk about the 80s and the 80s is, you know, uh, never forget, you know, every boomer will tell you my first mortgage was 18% or whatever. I've also had people tell me my house wasn't worth what I paid for it for, you know, six, eight, 10 years, whatever right. it was. It was like this really long time. And one thing that strikes me about this conversation so far is we're like, get in for rocky, a rocky time, guys. It's going to be like six, maybe 12 months. Like it's a pretty quick turnaround here. So I'm curious to hear what you think housing does, Michael, in the next 12 months. And and yeah, thoughts on kind of how quickly these cycles are turning now. Right. Well, I think, you know, I think activity will, you know, continue to kind of fall as the, you know, these pre-approvals get absorbed and stuff and people get used to things and that discrepancy between like a, a seller's expectation and a buyer's like kind of ceiling price gets, uh, the, there's going to be a bit of a, a gap or a canyon there. Uh, and it, my advice to sellers is obviously, um, you know, to be prepared for, to hold the property, you know, just in case, uh, you know, and I think it's all about uh, holding power for a seller. You know, if you're not rushed to sell, and you don't, you know, you're not accomplishing a goal or doing something, you know, with the proceeds that's going to be, um, it's going to be advantageous for your future, you know, just really, you know, really prepare yourself to be able to hold the property if, if, if need be. And for a seller or for a buyer, I think it's, there's opportunities in every market. And as long as when you buy a property, you're prepared to hold it for the long term, you know, it, it's going to be impossible to time kind of the, the bottom shallow of a market and as it peaks up. So, you know, it just has to be the right opportunity either, you know, from, yourself for you to live in and your comfort, creature comfort and all the rest of it. Because I still think buying property is certainly better than renting, especially rental rates have kind of really started. And they're going up. They're going up. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, rental rates are, even for older walk-up uh, apartment blocks and and even, you know, condos and houses, all the rental rates are going up. So I can't really, I still believe that uh, buying property is more advantageous than, um uh, than renting. So, you know, I think that that's something to kind of take into account too. So, you know, if you can afford to get into the market, now might be a good time. Yeah, I think that it always depends on like the client situation too, right? Because it's like, if you are, I got a bunch of clients in the, like that are right now that are like, okay, I've got a condo, I want to buy a detached house. It's like you're trading one for one, like those still transactions, like yeah, you can kind of get try to get cute and like time them, but again, like, does anyone really have the ability to like perfectly execute that, especially well, consistently? Yeah, like, especially if you're moving through the market, like yeah. at least a, a lot of the people I work with, you know, I said somebody said, "What do you think about renting?" Well, you got a three year old, so you know, you might want to. That could be one strategy that might, you might might work out in your favor. But do you really want to move into a rental for six months and then move again? And he's like. No, absolutely not. Like that. Right. I think it. I hundred percent agree. I think it depends on like who the client is. Because I have like this. I got this one client. I love him to death. But he's like, I mean, he successfully timed. I think the top of the market twice. Okay. <laughs> he'll, he'll literally just like buy a primary residence. It rips. Like not mm -hmm. his like ex expectation, but it rips. And he's like, mm, can make half a million bucks in like a year and a half tax free. I'm taking it. I'm gonna go rent. Mm -hmm. And then he rents and then the market drips and, he, oh. and, and, and he's successfully done that. Right. But I was like, 
It's a single I, guy? I, no, but he's got like now he's got like a family and kids. And I was like, right. I, I couldn't do that. Most people shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Because like we've also seen like and there's a lot of realtors that I had a ton of respect for that are brilliantly smart. And even if you ask me during the onset of the pandemic, like in like March, April, May last year or 2020, I would have been like, yeah, you should sell. Like market's probably going to draw oh, yeah. a record unemployment. I, I remember I right. just walked around collapsing deals <laughs> yeah, yeah. in March, 2020. Right. Yeah, and, and like, yeah. So like some really smart realtors that I have a lot of respect for that, like thought they could outsmart the market. They had a competitive advantage knowing probably more than most people do decide to sell and rent and like their house went up, you know, 50% right. over 18 months. Yeah, it's it like, goes ah, the other way crap. too. So right? it was like, again, if you have the bank account and the wealth to like rebuy back in at potentially much higher prices, if your bet goes wrong, then great, go take a gamble. But I think for most mm -hmm. people, the answer is no. Yeah. Like even like just anecdotally, when I bought my first property, it was in 2007, like right at the top of like, the market and then there was that tech bubble burst and then i remember i bought uh, my condo in richmond for two hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars, and i was like yes <laughs> like i made it in life and i thought that you know that was really the top of the market at that time for a condo in richmond and i was just like and then 2008 hit and then the the you know kind of the tech bubble happened and there was like we went to really low activities this is um in 2008 and i was just like yeah, I just I I almost was like kicking myself and I went through the emotional roller coaster myself. But then, you know, a really wise, you know, investor told me as long as you can hold the property, you know, you're you're gonna be okay. Yeah, and I held the property for over 10 years or so, and then I sold it uh, you know, in 2017 to upgrade to something better, and then there you go. That's that's uh, Andre Pavlov was on a few weeks back. Right. And his comment was, you know, it's gonna be tough to hold on for a lot of people, but the people that can hold on are gonna do incredibly well. Right. Do you agree or disagree? I'm, I mean, I think you're also tax advantaged to hold on. Right. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. Primary residence exemption. Like, and even like, even if you sell an investment property, it's like capital gains. I was right. like, you're better off just like hold it, refinance it in eight years and keep adding. I mean, I, I think that's what like the true like wealthy can mm -hmm. do. But like, again, it doesn't matter of like, can you get through like the down markets? And I think he's probably right. Like there's going to be people that, or maybe on a floating variable that, you know, are over levered that can hold on. And, and let's, and cause I had a, actually I was, I sat down with a really well-known real estate lawyer in town this week. And his comment was, you know, just from speaking to people, but there's going to be a lot of pain likely in the entry level of the market. Mm -hmm. But he said, you know, for people that are well-established with equity, with, you know, fairly well, big incomes, call it, uh, an extra thousand bucks a month is not not a big deal. Um, where do you see the pain points in the market? I always like almost joke about this because it's like a four percent mortgage to someone that's buying like a five million dollar house in the West Side. Like they don't even care. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And that's you know what I was just involved in something around that price point, and I was struck at how busy it was. Still, it was like yeah, oh right. you know you go a six hundred thousand dollar condo, and it's like okay this you can feel the impact, and it's. You know, some of the some of the market's still really busy at that price point, but yeah, that that higher price point is like, it's not a concern. I think so. And then you go to like the suburbs and like an like a let's call it like maybe like an entry level house for like one six one seven, like those are like blue collar people, normal people that are like, hey, my mortgage rate went from one point eight to right. three eight. Like that matters. Like that mm -hmm. seven hundred dollars more per month with two kids that are going through daycare and all that. Like. 
I think that's where you see like the demand pull back. Cause like I said, I think for the, for the wealthy, like that are buying with like huge down payments or no mortgage at all, like they don't care. Yeah. So young people and families in the suburbs. I think that's where the vulnerabilities, but also like the suburbs, what doubled in three and a half years. This is, like, I, that That's what I've been thinking about. Right. Is like Vancouver, we've seen increases, but like nothing like Langley, Abbotsford, Ridge, Maple Ridge, Maple Ridge is, went crazy. Well, like a condo in downtown Vancouver is like still below like 2017 yeah. peak. Yeah. Like if, if you're right at the start of 2018, I've seen somewhere you're like, oh yeah, you can, you can't, you can't achieve that right yeah. now. Those prices. So I wouldn't say there's a lot of froth there. So I'm not like, I wouldn't be worried too much about like valuation corrections in that market, but like the valuation correction, I'm like, Ooh, you know, pre-sale Surrey condo for 1200 bucks a square foot. Like that's, that's the price at Olympic village, man. Like yeah, sure. that to me is like, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the prices there. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out. Starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join typing in VRP 2020. Yeah, we've talked about Surrey pre-sale on this show quite a bit. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, and who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I, I would agree. It, it does seem like in terms of like where the vulnerability lies though is so entry level, entry level probably across the board. And I'm thinking, and it sounds like you guys are probably in, in agreement kind of people, unfortunately, moving through the market probably in the last year, 18 months out in the burbs where it was going bananas, right. where they're like, you know, hit that townhome for 850 or 900K and they're on a variable. That's where I think the pain, unfortunately, is is going to be greatest. Right. And, you know, I think we can like 
for me when I talk to my friends about this. I think we can really only have impact on what we can actually control. And we can't control what interest rates are going to do. We can't control what, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, the market's going to do specifically, but we can control our, like, you know, spending habits. We can control our, you know, how we, uh, our lifestyles, because, you know, in the last, like, like Steve was saying, it's been so liquid and the, you know, the stock market, like crypto and everything like that has just been on this like big roller coaster rocket ship. And then, you know, we're kind of coming back down to earth. And so if you're used to that kind of like, you know, big lifestyle, like really look at, look at like what you can change and, and make the differences so you can hold your properties that you that it didn't go towards another, uh, like I, I'm a big collector of handbags. <laughs> every every single time I talk to them, something yeah. I, it doesn't surprise me, but I'm still like it's I'm still shocked. information. <laughs> are, these men, are these men's hands? <laughs> Nobody knows. Yeah. Well, there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like you know, I, I think you just gotta shift the lifestyle a little bit, and you know, I think. <laughs> oh wait, that was actually yeah. a joke. Oh, okay. You know, I totally thought you were serious. I, was so, I made the mistake. I, of, now. Yeah, I made the mistake of thinking magic the first time you told me about it was a joke, but yeah. it wasn't. No, so no, now I believe yeah, everything I'm you a said. Big, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big hobbyist. I'm a, like a, uh, a uh, fantasy guy. So, but um, yeah, I think like, you know, just looking at those things that you can control and really making sure that you don't over, you know, overdo it on that perspective, because I've seen a lot of people get drowned in consumer debt and stuff like that. And, you know, trying to upkeep with a lifestyle specifically a lot of realtors you know there's a yeah. lot of realtors and, that and just looks at me for the people at home he pointed at steve oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's that new plaid tesla you just picked up. exactly uh, what about in thinking about kind of the national context you know is is every city going going to go through it the same way or are we looking at toronto and vancouver the most expensive markets being hit the hardest here that's a really good question um I mean, again, personal opinion, I always just think like, I think Toronto and Vancouver are so highly levered. Like I know everyone talks about like foreign buyers and there's definitely a lot of like foreign investment in these markets, but mm-hmm. like there's still like a lot of like locals taking on a lot, like pretty common in Vancouver for like a younger family to take up, to have a million dollar mortgage. I think that's pretty normal. Like I mean, your average house is like 1.8, like million dollar mortgage pretty normal. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think I just look at it and say a million dollars again, from a rate going from 2% to say 4%, that kind of starts to matter. When you go to like markets like, you know, Alberta, where like the ho- average house is say 500,000 and you have a mortgage of 300. I just don't think there's as much leverage in. They actually have really high incomes or like you know, mm. Saskatoon where it's like, okay, your mortgage is $150,000 and like, you can yeah. weather the storm. I think, I think, so I don't think there's that much vulnerability in, in parts of those more like affordable markets in Canada. I think like I get worried about like yeah, Vancouver, Toronto, there's a lot of leverage. There's maybe, maybe be a little bit more speculation because mm-hmm. we've had it such a good market for the last 10 plus years. I don't know if you want to throw Montreal and Ottawa in there, but I just think there's a little bit more leverage, a little bit more speculation in those markets. And I want to hear from you, Michael, but just to, I just want to talk about Alberta because Steve, you, you've been somewhat bullish on Alberta last right. time we talked. And uh, it seems like we actually, another thing we talked about with Andre Pavlov when he was on the show, but Alberta's kind of uniquely positioned potentially with oil and, and, um, and also like it's an affordable, beautiful province to live in. And they've had a, they've had some really a strong uptick in their market. What are your thoughts on Alberta right now? Uh, I mean, I think like 
I do stuff in Calgary. I just like, I actually enjoy the city. Like it's always like, if you're going to buy investment property out of like where you live, I think you have to right. enjoy like to go and check up on your property. So I always enjoyed going in Calgary, uh, highest uh, household incomes in Canada mm. and their house prices are, you know, you can get a nice single family house in, in the city there for $600,000. So, yeah. and you mentioned Steve before and one of, yeah, that the cap rates are, yeah, yeah, you're like a you're about a five percent cap rate, yeah. give or take, in that market. So, and it's a major metro city, right? I mean, it's like the third largest major metro in Canada, or fourth largest. So, yeah, I think it's got a lot going for it. Obviously, oil's picked up, so I think that um, I think like I'm not worried about that market, like rates going up. I just think, yeah, well, prices again maybe go flat, probably, um, but I don't really worry too much about a correction. I think the corrections will probably stem predominantly in like Vancouver suburbs. I think, you know, everybody's well-documented like what's happening in Toronto suburbs, like Brampton, mm-hmm. Brampton, Ontario, or like, well, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I feel like if you look, if you, you know, I, I know you're active on Twitter. I kind of scroll through Twitter and see all the realtors who post about Ontario and it but does, you guys are getting off now that Elon Musk is. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. I've already canceled. But, oh, yeah. but, uh, but it does seem like my sense is, and I, I could be off on this, my sense is maybe the realtors are just louder on Twitter, but it seems like Ontario is going through a kind of, the correction has started, uh, it's fiercer. And it's like, even February, they're like, oh, like we were going crazy here still. And they seem to be, you know, it seems like they're in, in a tough spot in a lot of places in Ontario. So it's brilliant. Like, I just think, yeah, I think there's a lot of like speculation on Ontario. I just like see some of like the pre-sale prices. Right. And well, like, we, I thought we had a bad here, but I look over there. I'm like, man, you guys are nuts. But also like friend of the show, Andrew LaFleur, Andrew LaFleur, he's been on our show. Well, he used to come on all the time and we would talk, you know, pre-sales hitting a thousand bucks a foot here at that time. And he was like, oh, we're at 750, 800 a foot. And our market was so, was it was more expensive, but it seemed kind of more established in like in the presale world. It just seemed he was watching Vancouver in a way that I feel like has switched in a lot of ways. Like Toronto's kind of went on a crazy run. It seems like, but I was talking to um, some really big brokers in Calgary. And so condos have been historically like a really bad investment in Calgary. It's just so much land. You just keep expanding out. Like, again, if you can buy a single family house for like half a million bucks, like why would you buy a two bedroom condo for 400? Sure. But Basically, what's happening is that pre-sale market's like reignited because all the Toronto condo brokers are flogging these to their investors. Andrew Lafleur, yeah, is uh, doing stuff in in Calgary well, now. But here's the thing that I was actually going to bring up about Calgary: that's the hard part. I mean, and you said if you like spending time there, we both lived in Calgary back in the '90s, which is totally different uh, world than it is now, obviously. But we were looking at some condos there a couple of years back, and the the rub for us was like, all right, do people actually want to, we're, we're taking like the Vancouver mindset and applying it to Calgary. Like, of course, yeah, it's, it's downtown condo. Like this is going to rent easy. And, and it's like, no, you know, go to whatever one of those smaller towns that's now almost part of Calgary, whatever those are, like that's where people want to be there. And it, so it's like the logic, that's the challenge in that market specifically, because it feels like it's almost the exact opposite of, of I remember Vancouver. when Matt, 
spoke to the broker, he said, where's the Yale town of said, uh, Oh, Calgary? that's the Yale town of Calgary. I'm, right. not, I'm not using uh, a Vancouver <laughs> lens here. So where's your Cole Harbor? Right. Mount Pleasant yeah. of Calgary. Right. And there where's, is a Mount Pleasant Where's the Calgary. water? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Where's the ocean close by here? <laughs> but it is, that's the one challenge, right. uh, at least outside of, I feel like outside of BC, well, maybe just the prairies, it becomes very challenging. Yeah, well, because you know, you're when like, you're in works? an area, you can use, you're used to being, your mindset can get siloed, right? And you're just staying in this kind of environment, in this kind of like high-paced environment. And so like, you know, you do need to have that mindset shift and like, you know, be, you know, be intelligent. And, you know, some of the, one of the things that I learned from um, a great real estate investor, he always told me that um, when you buy a property, you, worst case scenario, you're going to have to live there at some point. You know, it's right. like if everything kind of, it's the fan. It's kind of like that. Uh, there's that CBC show, Shit's Creek or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they end up living there. And so like the worst case scenario is you need to live there. And like, uh, I always have that in mind whenever I'm buying my own properties. And I, you know, just with my own investments, like I buy in every market and I, uh, you know, I, I look to hold for the long term, you know, and and kind of go from there. That's kind of my philosophy. I don't really if I don't need to sell, I try not to. I only sell when I want to upgrade to a, a better opportunity and really like looking at it pragmatically. And and I think a lot to do, and I know I kind of shared this before, but I think it has a lot to do with lifestyle and stuff like that. You know, you can make some really great decisions and organize yourself and putting yourself into great assets like real estate and, you know, and and uh, having a reasonably good stock portfolio, that type of thing. So it's it's kind of being disciplined in that perspective. Uh, which a lot of people miss out on, right? So, and I think that, um, you know, there's like, I, I kind of imagine like me listening to this podcast when I was 18 years old or something like that. And that would be what I would want to take from it. Like, hey, like, you know, start kind of being disciplined with your spending habits and how you're earning and looking at your own uh, finances as, some, as something as like really the golden ticket to be able to get into the real estate market or to get into any kind of, you know, kind of long-term wealth. Yeah. Do you do you time markets or try and time markets? No, no, no. You know, it's funny. We've had so many successful real estate investors on this show over the years and the best don't ever really care about time in the market. They just deploy, deploy, deploy. I have a question for you. So would you, would, are you looking or would you look at this period or maybe if you can go back in hindsight in like 2006, 2007, would you look at and say, oh, okay, you know, the Federal Reserve is starting to raise interest rates. Like, I'm assuming you would still try to like, would you try to like position yourself? Like I'm going to try to build a little bit more cash right now than I maybe normally would. Right. Because I feel like opportunities are on the horizon. If they don't manifest, then I just have a little bit more cash. Yeah. Which, you know, that's, that's a, that's a good thing. It has to be the right opportunity. Right. So obviously you want to like, but, and you want to be prepared. So really being really smart about, you know, setting aside, like knowing what you're I, I'm not a sophisticated business guy. <laughs> so knowing what your burn rate is, knowing like, you know, what your monthly expenses are like, knowing, uh, you know, what the cost of buying this real estate are going to be. And if you can withhold it through your career or through your business or through, uh, you know, other means to be able to like go through a dark and stormy time. Now, that being said, like, you know, you can't predict a lot of things like, you know, without being too sob story, like, you know, my family in the eighties or early nineties, like when the interest rates spiked, they, they, they got caught, they had to sell everything. And so if something like that happened, I might get caught too, but you know, so it's just being a element of luck, but also being really prepared and being disciplined from that perspective. So yeah, just like when to deploy. Um, I think basically if you follow a principle of, um, you know, putting your, 
you know, your revenues into certain buckets of like, okay, this is a mix of high risk, medium risk, and low risk investments. And really like looking at it just kind of at a 30,000 square foot lens up, uh, up top and then just kind of, okay, this now it's ready. Okay. So I'm buying this, right. you know, that type of thing. So yeah, that's kind of like a, a philosophy that a lot of people, well, I think, take. Yeah, and you're and you're diversified. And friend of the show, Corey Wright, I was talking to him the other day, and he's doing consistently deals and has been for years, kind of personally, right, um, or as joint ventures. But the benefit of being diversified and having some commercial as well, right. is like Corey's take on the market was like, who cares? There's an asset class in commercial where there's going to be an opportunity and. You know, there's going to be busy and soft spots all the time. So just keeping moving. So it's a little bit different residential. But like I said, I mean, you're, you're varying your portfolio. Yeah. So like, you know, you don't just fix on to, you know, I think obviously you do it step by step, but like you don't just fix onto one uh, type of property. Like I've worked with Corey. To, yeah. He's awesome, actually, by the way. And yeah, to, to, to look at some commercial and retail properties and yeah, just kind of diversify a little bit in, in that sense. And it's not only just real estate, you know, like Steve was talking to me, we were having beers at Colony the other day. <laughs> he was talking to me a little bit about cryptocurrency. So I even thinking about starting to get into there too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. We haven't, uh, we've never talked about crypto on the show other than saying we know nothing about it. Yeah. But uh, my Ethereum hasn't it, performed very yeah. <laughs> since I bought it at the I, peak. I, well, my, like what I've learned about that is am I like, you know, I think of it just as kind of like a, just like a buy and hold type of thing. Not this, like, and I, I'm a buy and hold guy, not like a, you know, trying to speculate market timing and even like my uh, stocks and stuff like that. They're like, I buy, I hold, and I never sell them. <laughs> so like, and basically I just sit, then they just sit there and I don't really know if they're going up or down. I, I get a call from the broker once a year and they say, I feel like you have to be doing okay. <laughs> I feel like you have to be good at what you, that you kind of know. Like we have to, I think as the investor, you have to kind of like assess, self-assess like who you are. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. I, yeah. I, that's, I, that's interesting actually. Yeah. No, it's like, I'm like, I literally will do every asset class, like stocks, yeah. crypto, real estate. And then like, I've come to realize that I just like, wealth of knowledge is so much greater in real estate that right. I'm so much more comfortable with the asset class that like, I just, I'm not a good, I can't trade stocks. Yeah. Right. I can't. Like I've also, I've also realized that. Yeah. And it's just like, I just don't like, there's too much volatility. I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know. Amazon's down 15% today. Like I don't have a great understanding as to why. Well, I often think of this moment because I kind of want to get back to like how long this trough is. Right. Because I feel like one thing that you're constantly reminded of is just how the narratives shift so quickly and how powerful the narratives are. Like, I think, you know, back to when I bought ARC, the, <laughs> the ETF or whatever it is, I don't even know. I bought that when it was like, oh, Kathy Wood's ARC, you know, it's like at 150 a share or whatever. She's the new Warren Buffett. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. And I, I talked to 10 guys about that and it was like, you can't go wrong. You know, the <laughs> right. new world's here. Like it's a trading at 50 bucks or whatever it is right now. But I just think of that moment. It is very hard to to zig while everybody's zagging. Right. And, you know, bringing it back to, to real estate, mm -hmm. like we're, you know, we're in April. I feel like this shift kind of started in March. We're, we're really early days. Right. But back to like how long this lasts, because we're talking about opportunities 
But my sense is like I saw, and I've brought this up on the podcast a couple of times, but there's a Globe and Mail article. And I think Rob Carrick's kind of the worst offender, but like, it's like, you know, the question's not like, it's like, was real estate ever a good investment? Does, you know, 20 years from now, are prices the same as February or are they going to be lower? It's like these crazy kind of things that you never would have thought about. So how, how long is the trough? And I don't need exact, but, and is it like opportunities? Like, are you guys thinking like, Hey, if something good comes up next month, like I'm in, or is it like, let's wait to kind of the end of the year and see how it plays out. Not to put you in the hot seat. <laughs> well, you know, uh, for, for myself, if, if it's a good opportunity, like, I, I think you should, you should take it. If it's a, you know, a property that you think is great and it's a, um, you know, it's going to have a good uh, return on investment or you see a long-term potential in it. Yeah. You know, I, I would say go ahead and purchase it in terms of like what the market's going to do and kind of the trough of activity. I think, you know, I think a bit of it is perspective because I actually don't think of it as that slow right now. Like, you know, no. I think I, I still think that there's still activity and there's so many, there's a few different factors that I kind of always look at, uh, you know, really low in unemployment right now. You know, we have this, you know, still an un, kind of an undersupply of properties for the market demand that we have in, in BC and in Vancouver. And we're not like Calgary where we're, you know, we're very landlocked. So it's like, you know, kind of a, it, it's a constrained supply. So I still feel, I still think real estate has a great, specifically in BC, has a great opportunity for the long term and, and like long term optimistic about where it's going. And, you know, just globally, just what's happening in the whole world with instability in the States and, you know, a lot of other markets. I think Canada is like a really big, you know, it's, it's, um, when you talk to people from Asia, when you talk to people from other parts of the world, like Vancouver is like, they're just so high on it. It's politically stable. It's very safe, great education, great environment. So I feel like there's the, there's incredible advantages to, to the, to the real estate here. So I think long-term is good. So, uh, you know, I advise all my friends to buy, you know, this is like the realtor, but why not three? <laughs> you yeah. can even sell more. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, you know, I, I, I'm like long-term optimistic and, you know, as long as you can hold, like go, go for it. I, I'm curious to hear Steve's thoughts, but I just think when I, as I was asking that question, you were responding, I was thinking, you know, I bought, you know, it's like 2007, Michael, when you bought your your condo. Like I bought my house in 2017 in the spring. There was a blip in East Van and it seemed like it was going on another run. And of course, you know, I caught that peak and, uh, and you know, and then it was like, oh, multiple offers disappeared like the minute after I bought my house. And in 2018, even in condos slowed down kind of halfway through 2018. And then it was like, you know, to the end of 2019, it was pretty slow moving times. But in hindsight, it felt like it went by in a, in a minute. Like, and then we were, even before COVID, it was picking up again. It was like, oh, we're back at it. And then we went on this crazy run. But I think people kind of, the dark days seem to be, and I kind of was trying to get at this before, but like the dark days of the 80s where they're like, yeah, it was eight years I was underwater. Like, it just seems like the cycles move so much quicker now. Mm -hmm. um, and who knows what this, what it brings. But if it's anything like the last kind of, but it turned out to be a fairly mild downturn. I think I was probably down on my house. I don't know, hundred K maybe, at, but I didn't sell it. I just was, Hey, I just went home and went to sleep and went back to work. Like it was, 
you know, but well, your uh, pillow was wet. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Had nothing to do with sweat. Uh, Steve, I want to, I want to, I want to bring Steve in on here. How, what's the duration and, and are we in a time where these recessions just move quickly? I think the Vancouver markets always fascinated me. It was just like, it's like up 20, down 10, back up 30, <laughs> down 11. And you're like, it's not like, and then like the said, sport. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about like Calgary earlier. It's like, Flat for five, up, <laughs> up two, down one, up three. It's like, it's like, um, yeah, Vancouver is like, and that's why everyone I think in Vancouver is so obsessed with like timing the market. Mm-hmm. I mean, my opinion always like in real estate is like, I just never like projecting of like the market will, if you buy this, it will go up 10% a year. Yeah. It's just like, I feel like that's always the cherry on top. It's like, if you're buying, just buy a piece of real estate. Like if you get some appreciation top, just know that that's always the bonus. Like if the numbers pencil in, buy it. Mm-hmm. But um, you're asking me about like troughing, like how? Well, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking if, if it's live and die on interest rates, really, where, so, uh, well, yeah. because the assumption here is interest rates go up, market stays cool, uh, economy gets crippled, uh, interest rates go back down and everything <laughs> picks up, right? I, I, you know, I'm not an economist, but that's, I think the assumption that I'm making here. So what are, what are we thinking where before that all kind of, I think, course? Yeah, I mean, I think I just I just think volume is going to get crunched this year. Um, just I just think people are just like, oh, I'm going to wait, like, and then there's a lot of conversations that I'm having, and I just think that so all these like rate hike forecasts are predicated on like these economists that sit in these chairs out in Ottawa that don't know much about real estate markets, and they're like, oh yeah, you know, we're going to get interest rates overnight rate at the bank of Canada, 3% and like housing is just going to moderate and like, we'll probably still see a little bit of price growth. And it's like, uh, I think we talked about like prices are already correcting in parts of the suburbs, like housing mm. activity is slowing and it's only been six weeks. Like we only raised rates, 75 basis points, like inflation's at six and the overnight rates at one, like, mm. and, and people are already like, Oh, I'm not too sure about real estate right now. It's like, guys, we've hardly even moved the needle here. So I just think that, Bank of Canada will probably keep raising rates. I think that they're so optimistic. Like they got they got inflation wrong. They got housing being transitory wrong. I think they're going to get wrong is they're going to get wrong on the economy's ability to withstand higher rates. So I don't know. My opinion is like housing activity will slow. We'll probably go into recession next year, and then it's going to be like okay, oops, we're cutting rates. It was fun while it lasted. Let's cut rates, and that's probably when we restart the the housing rebound. Well, maybe we'll leave it there, but guys, we got this segment called the five wire, five quick questions about lighthearted questions to end the show. Can you guys stick around for that? Sure. The five wire is brought to you by Scalina real estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina real estate is a full service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive tried and tested buyer and seller systems with over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. Okay, so question number one for Michael, what have you been binge watching lately or a movie recommendation? I know you're a big superhero. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. right. You are a big um, binge watching. Um I've just been watching kids stuff. So like uh for the yeah. baby. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah.
Nice. Have you have you watched Encanto yet? No, not yet. Okay. No. Stay away from that soundtrack. <laughs> Steve, binge watching or movie? Don't say the big short, Steve. <laughs> For the 18th time. <laughs> uh, man, not in the whole like, NHL playoffs are coming up. Uh, right. So I've been watching a lot of the regular season. That counts. I'll throw maybe Yellowstone in there. That's uh, just finished the, the most recent one there. So Most recent season? Yeah. Real piece of trash that last season. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was too slow. Oh, my God. <laughs> just watching horses dance for, like, the whole season. Michael, one song that's been on repeat lately. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm a podcast guy, so the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast and the Looney Hour. Good plug. Oh, there you go. Amazing. Steve. Best song, best song, or song on repeat. Yeah, or or your or your karaoke uh, go to. Yeah, I don't have a song either. Can I say <laughs> podcast? <laughs> song. See, I don't even listen to music. You know what? It's crazy, <laughs> but the one thing that's been overwhelming on this podcast is everybody in the real estate industry listens to hip hop. It's like kind of, I'm okay. So many I'm, more, I'm more of a country. I was going to yeah. say Yellowstone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Calgary. <laughs> did someone say Garth Brooks? Yeah, yeah. I did. <laughs> More of a Chris Gaines guy. <laughs> okay, Michael. Uh, question number three. What is one book you'd recommend our listeners uh, pick up? Uh, and, and you're a voracious reader, so uh, it yeah, should be good. Yeah. So the yeah, recent one that I just read is Atomic Habits by James Clear. That's oh, I love one. that book. Yeah. yeah. Great one. That was one of your favorites. That was one of my yeah. favorites. Great. Read it three or four times now. It's yeah. a good one. Steve, uh, one book you'd recommend. I mean, I still like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You can't, yeah. That's like, like foundational. Yeah. I mean, everyone's probably said that on this podcast. So I'll throw another one in there. If you're trying to understand like housing and debt and that sort of interest rate picture, uh, let's throw in a book called House of Debt. Uh, I think it's by Atif Mion. Anyways, it's basically chronicles the 2008 housing bust and the role of private debt. And that's why I talked about earlier, just like my view on interest rates and how high they can go. House of debt. Uh, that's a good one. You know, one thing that uh, I should have asked earlier in the tell us about your stage of the show, but Michael, you've told your kind of story to real estate on this program before you were aspiring lawyer. I believe. Well, yeah, it was going to be. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was it the was logic game. Yeah. That you, right? That's right. Those, <laughs> those, like, those red cubes. <laughs> they just haunt me. But, but, so, Steve, the, the question I have just, and this is totally hijacking the five wire, no though, kidding. is, is we, we've heard about your hockey pursuits. Did you actually go to school? Because you're you're fairly versed in the in the world of finance, it seems. So is that where you came of? And and actually, we should have, how'd you get to real estate is kind of the... Well, that's a good question. Let's maybe I'll go back save to that, question one now. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll save wire. that for, for <laughs> right. uh, the part on the street, I guess. But yeah. uh, anyway, I'm uh, curious on the... Do you want me to add in right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, let's uh, add in. Well, we'll, we'll add it. We'll just okay. keep it yeah, in we'll naturally. Just go. So here's a plug for you. Uh, Selkirk College, Harvard of the Kootenays. Uh, <laughs> In Castlegar, BC, had a hockey scholarship there. It was smaller than my high school, 800 people. I took business and a uh, year of business and did not well. So I'm mostly self-taught. I just love, I literally just pay for a lot of subscriptions and just deep dive. I'm a, I don't know what they call it. Auto Autodidact. Yeah. Are you consuming like a media public, like, like the economist or what is, what are you reading? Like what, what are some of your favorite reads? First subscription I ever got, which was basically paid for itself for sure. was like 2015, like real vision TV, 
basically are like a media platform, all just interviewing the top hedge fund managers, et cetera, from all over the world. So Real Vision, I'll subscribe to a whole bunch of people that do independent newsletters that are like hedge fund macro guys. So that that's kind of where I, I actually, yeah, just, I put a ton of money into resources because I love it. And I think it pays dividends personally. I, I thought the takeaway was going to be that Castlegar has a really great school for economics. <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> For, for actually, they do have a very, uh, they have a renowned program for pilots. So if you're looking to be a pilot, yeah. that's where you want to go. If you're looking to have fun and learn about stuff, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Other stuff. All right. So in, in one book, Steve, or uh, one newsletter that, that you really like, how about we'll, we don't have to do a book. Uh, all right. Newsletter. I really like, uh, anyone can go subscribe to it. Luke Roman. His name is Luke Roman. Uh, he's, I don't know, it's, what is it? A hundred bucks a month. And he just writes about big picture macroeconomics. That's a great one. Awesome. And, and, uh, next question, question number four, Michael, what's one habit practice or belief that you've taken on lately that's had a positive impact oh, on you? I think uh, we well, spoiled the, yeah, we, we spoiled that one, but, uh, yeah, the intermittent fasting thing has been oh, really yeah. good. Yeah. So it's good. It's actually good for the brain too. It's not even just good for the, do you feel good belly. when you're fasted? Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like very energetic. Yeah. Yeah. I feel good. And I feel like you know, things come to me a lot quicker. I don't think we're supposed to be digesting all the time. No, no, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. No. One habit, Steve, are you intermittent fasting? I am not. I don't know about lately, but just getting up regularly in the morning, going to the gym, getting a sweat. Like, I think just starting your day with like a good sweat, a good workout, I feel like it kind of wakes you up, gets the blood flowing, and then on with the day. So, we've uh, we've started doing that at lunch, which has been, which has been at 45, like across the street. So, it's Ooh. 45 minutes in and out. It's oh, good. I, was yeah. gonna, I was actually going to sign up for them. Oh, you should man. sign up for the Canby one. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, there we we'll go. talk. We'll Use talk. After this. We'll talk after this. Is there a promo code for the podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. All right, last question for you, Michael. Something under $1,500, and I know you're not a materialistic guy. <laughs> no. Something under $1,500 you have bought that has transformed your life. Gucci handbag. Yeah. Do you want to take this one first? <laughs> Gucci handbag. Yeah. you want to take this one first, Steve? I, I'm no, I'm waiting for you. Okay. Um... <laughs> AirPods, actually. Yeah, I've, I've that noticed one comes like, up yeah, all the time. AirPods yeah. have been like, yeah, really, it feels like I, it took me forever because I used to call them like, uh, you know, like just leave me alone things. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like it doesn't invite people to come, but actually, yeah, I love the AirPods. The best is like cleaning around the house and stuff. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, I feel it's like fantastic. I have some undiscovered time with it because totally. yeah, I get to learn. Yeah. That's actually a great way of putting it undiscovered yeah. time. Yeah. Steve, come up with something better than that. <laughs> than <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I took, my AirPod, yeah. took my AirPods. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to say, like, yeah, resources. Uh, so, I mean, I'll say my Real Vision subscription. Right. I think it's, yeah, it's less than 1500 bucks, And it's the smartest people in finance. And just being able to, just, like, sit and watch and, and learn from, like, the best in the world. Um, and that's the amazing thing, like, even on this podcast, right? Like, to have conversations that are, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, top producing people that have actually executed in the real estate space to be able to learn from them. This wasn't available, I feel like, 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. 
Anyone who can't see this, Steve pointed at Adam and then he pointed at Michael. And I just yeah, got I bored. I was on the way to Michael <laughs> <laughs> from where, where Steve is sitting in the room. I was moving around. Yeah. But uh, yeah, last but not least, we got to talk about where we can find out more information sure. uh, about you guys. So we'll start with Michael. Where sure. can people learn about you? Okay. Well, we have our podcast as well. It's the Oakland podcast. So feel free to listen in if you want more information. Yeah, good plug. Yeah. And, and thank you for being the sponsor hey. of our show, uh, for allowing us to do this. Day Keep the day lights out. on. Yeah, that's right. nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. These mics are really nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, uh, Oakland Podcast. You can watch us on uh, all the way, any way that you can find this podcast. You can find the Oakland Podcast or, you know, go to uh, at Oakland at the Instagram. And you can shoot a DM and uh, or info at oakland.com. Fantastic. Uh, I'll plug the Looney Hour. It's our, it's my, I guess my I'm a, one of the co-hosts podcasts, basically Canadian macro finance. We talk a little bit about housing as well. And Twitter, if you want to troll me. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. so one thing. You get trolled more now, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I, I feel like. You know, Okay, was, the problem this is, was, is I was I'm like, surprised they haven't censored you yet. I know. I was, as everyone well, well knows, I was quite bearish on like housing, Canadian housing. I was fairly bearish. I went mega bull. I was probably like the biggest bull in the room from the start of the pandemic through this recent runoff. And so everyone now is like, oh, this guy's a shill. Like, look at him, builds the name for himself. Now he's just a market pumper. And now I'm actually getting bearish again, but people forget that. So, <laughs> so I, yeah, I get, I get trolled on. Well, well you, you do. And one thing, you know, as a, a lurker, never a poster, I, <laughs> I noticed like you'll post something, you'll get... I don't know how you sleep at night, to be honest, because like you'll get like, you're a genius, sir. And then you're like, thank you very much. And then somebody's <laughs> like, you're the biggest shill on the planet. I hate your guts. Uh, and then no response. Oh, yeah. But your phone just must be just going Just respond like, to Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what am I going to do? No, but your phone must just be... Like, I, I, I do how have much my dopamine uh, you must dumps mute are you? The like, Twitter notifications it. are completely muted. So I'll just go in. Like when I open up the app, I can see them all. But there's people there. Like I will entertain and like fight back on the odd person and be like Great. elaborate further please <laughs> yeah. yeah a lot of the ones is like you're shilling calgary it's like i'm not even licensed in calgary i can't make any money over there man like right <laughs> i got a couple of properties that i have no intention of selling for the next 40 years but yes fantastic well maybe we'll leave it there thank you so much thanks guys uh, yeah, yeah that was a lot of guys fun. coming Cheers. in on a friday thank afternoon you. so thanks again for your time and uh appreciate it great thanks guys So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Steve Soretsky and Michael Yu. Great conversation with those two. That was ramping up to be a bit of a night. And then I got a call. You, pull, you literally, yeah, you, I, it ruined my entire day. I got a call about a leak in a, which is not managed by a property manager, which lesson learned. I was going to say, there's so many takeaways there, but the big takeaway from the day was, why are you managing <laughs> So this Your property, though, this, well, I started managing it a number of years ago and it, it's just never, we've had two tenants. It hasn't ever really been a problem. Of course, we go sit down at a restaurant, first round of beers ordered and food ordered, and I get a call. You've got a leak in your condo. Which is, I feel like, is the worst type of call, right? It's, it's like, it's call. one thing if it's like, hey, the... uh 
you know, I'm, I'm having trouble with a light switch or something. It's like, all right, sure. that's I'll tomorrow. send someone. Yeah. yeah. Or I'll, it'll happen tomorrow. But yeah, this needed to be addressed urgently. So I left, left you three. Of course, I'm the glue of the relationship. The whole thing disintegrated. The whole thing just disintegrated. Yeah. Oh, cards. <laughs> Anyways. And uh, yeah. Sounds like you guys uh, wrapped everything up once I left. You know what? We had one more drink. The thing about a guy like Steve especially was, I think he had to go do a YouTube video or something. So he was thinking it was like, you know, it wasn't supposed to be a 12 hour oh, yeah. <laughs> Friday night. But anyway, so the whole thing didn't really, uh, you know, it was good. It was a hey, couple hours on a patio. I'm not complaining. But uh, more importantly, yes. how's your flooring? Oh, yeah, uh, that everything's good. Everything's good. To be honest, it was a pinhole leak in the uh, the plumbing of the building. And it was more of like a trickle. It turned out there was some damage to some drywall, but nothing that I'm not even actually going to go through and insure. So it's going to get done. Okay, well, so thankful for that. But uh, before we go, Adam, of course, we have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our website where all things real estate related live. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. For the commercial real estate podcast, we have the Live Wire. This is our weekly mailer, deal of the month, stats before anyone else, different types of stats, VIP pre sales for residential, VIP pre sales for commercial. There's no reason why you don't want to be on this list. We also have, and in a market like this, PCS is good in any market, but I think specifically days on market, seeing what's selling in a market like this, we have private client services. If you are Thinking about setting up an account right now is the time because you're right. Now you're going to start to see where the opportunities are over the next calendar calendar year, six months. What a great way to do it. So if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips. It's at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Somebody will get in touch and set you up with the perfect account, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Her name's Melissa. Yes. Yeah, it'll be one of us or Melissa. She'll set you up. And uh, man, we we have a lot of people on this program and we know how to tailor it to make sure you get the right results for sure. Absolutely. If you want to talk about that or anything else, give me a shout 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Well, have a great week, guys. And we are back next week with another exciting episode. Take care. 2,000 Faces for Radio. Subscribe today.